understands. And today we are going to kind of pick up the topic of uh, fintech. This thing has kind of become a much larger than life topic. Data shows that of the 800 unicorns in the world, you know, one in five of them, like 20% of them can be classified as fintechs. Funding to fintechs is, I think, out of every $5 going into startups, $1 is going into a fintech. So, so obviously it's a very, very... new and exciting area but the question really is that is it really that new is technology in finance such a new thing or is it something else so if if you're going to just quickly look at uh, you know technology has obviously existed in banking and finance right from credit cards to the first atm uh, to even to the start of internet banking globally as well as in india with the hdfcs and icics and others but uh, so what really has caught everyone's fancy and what's what's the whole deal with fintech my limited sense and understanding is that i think uh, just with the proliferation of technology uh, be it the mobile be it just internet everywhere be it the availability of usable digital identity you know technology is able to do much more for finance thus creating this whole thing around uh, fintech today you know we india can also boast of its own unicorns uh, be it uh, razorpay buildesk and and who have you uh, and what we're going to try and do in this episode is kind of kind of uh, try and demystify this whole thing as to uh, you know what worked what didn't work you know why is it that we are seeing it today you know what did we miss in the past and where do you think we can kind of uh, see this going in the uh, future So uh, I mean I'm just wondering Nilesh and uh, Sheetal you know what what do you think has been this evolution is it just been technology has it the world of banking had done something differently or is it just kind of a, a perfect storm of circumstances that came together to make all this happen let me first jump in you know uh, I mean on the evolutionary front when i look at it uh, late 20th century or 1960s and 70s we saw a a lot of uh, tech in finance right mm-hmm. but uh, you know that tech in finance uh, i look at it like finance using uh, the the these new rails right the internet was coming in you know 1967 was atm you know first atm deployed by barclays uh, so so it was like a tech being more widely used by finance kind of a stage uh, while in 21st century i i see that it has gone way beyond just the rails right so so let me let me take two two examples from from payments world right so when you look at uh, uh, either when you look at paypal uh, is first one where where you know credit cards were there since 19 60s you know when banks came together and they created a process a, a consortium and suddenly people had cards uh, and they could you know do cashless payment it 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 started that time 
but uh, what really paypal did was it did two things one on the technology front and other on also process front so paypal enabled people like you me doctors to accept credit cards over internet right so till that time there was this whole process of uh, you know merchant acquisition which was uh, which was costly and time consuming and suddenly you know uh, within within uh, less than 30 minutes i could i could start accepting credit cards right so it was a combination of not just the rails but uh, you know uh, technology which went just beyond internet right and second uh, you know how technology also created a business process that was viable for for this similarly the other example i i like is square right uh, so square enabled uh, credit card payments in the in the real world like paypal did it in the internet and virtual world uh, square enabled credit card payments in the in the real world doctors in us started accepting uh, card payments and again this was uh, also a mix of tech and and uh, business process so so in terms of evolution i i feel uh, i would i would put fintech more on the on the what is happening in in 21st century while while the evolutionary route started in obviously so it definitely looks century. like uh, you know well every of course uh, finance is based on the bedrock of technology but uh, i think what the fintechs have done is start to make it easy for people to do work i mean i think the classic case is also of strip right it's a 95 98 billion dollar company and i think uh, to my mind the, the what it does is really it allows you to accept payment uh, anywhere in the world so if you have a strip account you can pretty much you know start making money from medium you can start making money from wherever else and all this so i think these guys seem to have focused on you know mainstreaming the all the reach of banking technology and what have you so shital has i mean any any examples that you feel have kind of stood out for you that uh, you know brings out this uh, sudden adoption or this stark difference between erstwhile banking and today's finance so i personally think a couple of things happened right one is the fact that like nilesh said uh, it was always technology uh, as a backbone to finance right so it was always in the uh, how should i say it was in the shadow what fintech and the last couple of years has done is it's taken the place of b2c right so it may enable a bank to make a consumer experience better or it will enable uh, a bank to now provide a service which it couldn't do in the past so the whole shift which is from uh, being a service provider to a financial institution to actually now coming into the forefront and uh, becoming customer facing i think is a big shift correct so let's let's take for example uh, trading platforms right uh, we had the trading platforms of the past uh, but today when a zerodar comes in and has changed the way the trading uh, platform is it's completely de- designed to make it a fantastic customer journey right and therefore they have taken away business from the traditional broking firms uh, who are now scrambling to say how do i make a platform which is as effective um so i think that's the kind of shift that you're seeing whether it is uh, neo banking right which is serving the underserved or or looking at very niche 
um, consumers who have traditionally been ignored in the past. So an MSME was not really the most was not the best served um, niche by a bank, correct? Because of various reasons. Um, this is what is making it happen. Like I was just reading up on some new banks uh, like Open and what they're focusing on is, um, you know, an audience which is the creative audience, which is freelancers. So whether you're an influencer, whether you're a designer, etc., the last thing you really want to do is focus all your time and effort on admin and finance but because they're backending a whole bunch of apis uh, etc you can do everything from create your invoice to uh, you know put it into tally etc all on a particular platform now that is ease of usage which uh, i think has changed the game for a lot of fintech correct because you're mm. now doing you're actually solving consumer problems which in the past were not really being uh, defined by the banks so today everybody's becoming more savvy banks are partnering with neo banks to ensure that you know they're not missing out on the game but for years some of these communities were completely ignored and i think that's where it's changing. No, true, true, true. In fact, there's an important thing that you mentioned about this whole API business. And and maybe on an aside, we'll have to kind of figure out if we can get Zeroda to pay for this episode or something. But <laughs> the fact is that they have, uh, uh, you know, uh, so if you kind of go on their platform, what they've also been able to do is that, you know, they, so it's, it's not an I win, you lose strategy, at least from where I see. They've got so many other people on that platform who are also, uh, you know, selling their solutions whether it be you know portfolios uh, commodity trading fx trading and whatnot so you know they have taken this whole approach that you know we will grow the entire ecosystem and of course ease of use being uh, one of the very very uh, big issues uh, uh, as opposed to the erstwhile icss and others you know who said that you know i win you lose so you know which is kind of seems to be a shift uh, uh, that has seen a shift now because people are growing the entire market i think people feel that you know the, the market is large enough you, know, you don't have to be uh, you know at the cost of someone else uh, situation so uh, okay. the, uh, you know so, yeah, yeah sorry i don't know. no no so so you know what what sheetal mentioned and uh, i was also saying i think that that the whole evolution has happened you know from from the background to kind of foreground and and you know instead of just being rails actually solving problems mm -hmm. and like samira you mentioned so so that shift has has suddenly given rise to uh, all these uh, you know fintech but then one one has to also analyze uh, the current atmosphere, right? Whether it's India, different sure. countries are at a different stage. Uh, the fact is that, you know, if you were to ask, uh, uh, you know, the erstwhile industry leaders, many of those kind of technologies were present probably in the late 19th century also. But I think there is a, a certain amount of uh, economic, political, social shift that has also really given an impetus and and not not you know uh, not mentioning covid would also be you know the the current atmosphere has really you know given huge impetus when you look at india the demonetization first gave an impetus to 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 uh, to fintechs so i think the environment part uh, and when i when i hear you know the current government's uh, kind of commitment to the payment stack uh, it's it's fantastic. You know, all said and done, uh, I think India has leapfrogged many other countries 
and and the reason is the political will and commitment right and when you look at the aadhar based payment stack suddenly you have given a very uniform you are given a uniform platform at a national level right to to play upon right so so uh, i i see you know things like you know when i when i look at card payments or peer to peer payments and in us they are uh, for me almost in dark ages you know uh, the two factor in india the fantastic integration of uh, you know the whole payment stack uh, we have just leapfrogged and the environment has helped so i think somewhere probably that is also a reason why probably i i will have to look at the data india is producing more fintechs actually than yeah in, yeah in uh, fact there was yeah. some uh, again i have i personally have no way of validating it but there was this just uh, the uh, the finance minister just kind of uh, uh, threw a number like saying that you know some fintech adoption rate in india is 87% uh, which is higher than the global percent of 64 so i mean i don't know what that really means but i think the 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 theme if we were to capture is the fact that obviously we are seeing many more fintechs coming into this environment we are seeing many more people taking to these uh, uh, fintechs uh, to do transactions which i think is a big shift earlier on you know uh, the bank was your uh, uh, place of trust you know but people are now willing to move away from that for a lot of things which is kind of is a big shift uh, in fact uh, in fact uh, nilesh is a very important thing that you mentioned which which i think uh, bears to be called out and i i, I think uh, uh, good old nandan linically never really got enough credit for it uh, is is this whole creation of aadhar so i think uh, when he did it uh, i think there was a lot of politics about you know is it right is it wrong is is it too much data and uh, one government hijacking the others and you know effort and all but net of it i think that has been the great unifier and the founding it's probably been that one event that you could trace back a lot of the current evolution or revolution in uh, uh financial technology and lot of other technologies because it's just finance i mean i don't think we would have been able to even do vaccination without i mean i don't know of how many people have given an id other than their aadhar for their vaccination so i think maybe in the villages people have given election cards and all but aadhar has been the basis of nearly everything and i think that is been one of those things that came about at the right time in the right place and has caused a, a huge huge uh, uh uh impact in fact it's it's been kind of pretty much foundational you know i mean you everybody's done a lot of thing but now you everybody's kind of got their hooked onto this on top of that you've got the you know the npci upi layers and all of that and it's kind of been uh, quite uh, an amazing so i i was just thinking so you know of course since we are all close to india this is this thing but uh, are there such events or any such triggers that we are aware of in other countries maybe Uh, i don't know whether it's africa or anywhere else because we know for a fact that the us and europe are kind of far behind in this for whatever reason they were but you know have we seen this kind of a phenomenal change in other countries i mean just to uh, yes uh, definitely and we'll touch upon africa part uh, based on my past experience working there but you know uh, you, you are absolutely right i think when i mentioned payment stack it, it was a aadhar based payment stack all along right i mean aadhar has been uh, you know one of those uh, seminal uh, moments for for fintech also 
but this the the interesting part is that this kind of a uh, id was always there in us right but somehow somehow they never uh, they, they we don't see that kind of a you know the kind of adoption uh, india uh, has has seen right so so that's that's interesting i mean europe and us have always had a, a id but somehow they we, we leapfrog and 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 just to since you mentioned about the other countries you know the I, I always have a dilemma why why mobile peer to peer payments didn't pick up like they picked up in in Africa right so so when you look at Africa and M-Pesa is in Kenya is a poster child of of mobile payments and the way it changed the African uh, especially Kenyan economy right so so think look at African countries the uh, unbanked uh, population is probably eighty uh, percent plus, right? So, so banking is minimal. Uh, ac- having a bank account is literally a luxury, and when you go to withdraw from an ATM, you actually pay money. So, so no one actually uses it. Uh, to be honest, even the people who are banked, they don't use it. And and while uh, we were doing some such projects, uh, many of them have been, by the way, implemented by Indian vendors, right? So, so, so M-Pesa. Uh, uh, Tanzania has has Tigo money. There are you know Econet in Zimbabwe. These are projects executed by Indian companies, right? So so the the product is Indian. Uh, M-Pesa is it was developed by Vodafone, so it's a Safaricom product. And it you know for Safaricom uh, today, M-Pesa is the second largest revenue generator, just behind Wise. Now, could you ever think of a telecom company? Saying that you know, mm-hmm. uh, after voice, I'm generating most revenue from a mobile money product. Usually, it is messaging, right, or data. Now, the the you know the the opposite of that is that India leapfrogged even the telecom, you know, revolution. So we we are up there when it comes to telecom and and you know rollouts of 5Gs and and you know uh, you know VOLTs. So I I it was always a puzzle to me that why it didn't pick up in India. We also have similar, uh, more or less similar unbanked population, right? And somehow mobile money never picked up in India. Mm. I, it, it beats me to a certain extent. I don't know why. Maybe maybe it was a socio-political will. I don't know, which which has changed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Uh... I, uh, yeah, you're you're right. Actually, I mean, it's it's very strange that for a mobile-friendly country not to take to mobile payments that quickly is uh, very strange. And in fact, if you kind of uh, just uh, look at uh, the other data that these uh, fintechs have been, uh, you know, in fact, NASCOM came out with some <clears throat> report uh, which said that 75% of all UPI payments are actually done through fintechs, which is kind of up from 70%. And 40% of fintechs <clears throat> are there in online insurance. So, you know, online insurance products, actually 40% are actually done through people like uh, Policy Bazaar, literally, right? And also, and, and that's another sponsorship idea there for you. <clears throat> so 35% uh, of, act- of active retail investors are actually uh, using fintechs or <clears throat> their platforms for... Um, uh, Equity investment. So yes, you, you're right. You know, this is kind of a very strange case, and I, I remember this very. Uh, 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 you know, we were doing some kind of a project with Walmart, and that whole Walmart uh, takeover of uh, uh, 
Flipkart was going on. And um, I am at least led to believe that uh, Walmart was kind of very uh, pleasantly surprised and it was quite accidental when, when they discovered that what they got for Flipkart, the hidden value of Flipkart was actually phone pay, you know, which, which is kind of, uh, for. Uh, I mean, while we kind of intuitively get it, but Walmart, you know, they said, oh, no, we bought an online platform because we were behind. And here we got this huge, another thing which was literally valued at probably some $10 billion, which just came along with the deal, you know. It's, it's kind of completely uh, crazy. Uh, so, so I think, Sheetal, I think uh, this kind of brings us to this whole very interesting uh, uh, taking from Nilesh's point of the um, mobile payment. So, you know, I think... Uh, uh, if we kind of step back to demonetization, we had this uh, suddenly this need to make digital payments. And I think uh, Paytm stepped in and, you know, they kind of, you know, you had those QR codes everywhere and they started paying. And, but, you know, we've kind of seen a dwindling of that over time. And we've seen people like Google Pay come in, you know, and they've been obviously doing, been very successful. And, uh, you know, every neighborhood vendor has uh, uh, kind of picked it up. But then if you kind of contrast that with the other very, uh, 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 what should I say, it's kind of integral part of your uh, uh, social fabric, which is WhatsApp, uh, while we rely on them for all kinds of news uh, and, you know, every other kind of fact, we somehow don't trust them with payments. So, I mean, I mean why do you think that's, that's the case? You know, we, we trust one kind of platform for one thing, the other, but we just uh, don't trust the other at all. So let me kind of roll back a bit, correct? When when you talked about mobile payments and I think what happened with India is we the tipping point became uh, for adoption actually, uh, became demonetization. And let me step back. Uh, we're a very cash economy, correct? Um, fundamentally, we were a cash economy. And true, what true. happens in a cash economy is uh, that a lot of people don't want to talk about the money that is being received. Uh, that was the truth, right? So mobile payments, I think, Nilesh, to a large extent, didn't uh, really take off because nobody wanted to come into the radar, right? Till such time that you can do cash payments, why would you put anything on your books of account? Uh, especially uh, if I look at small traders, retailers who were always playing under the radar, correct? Um, I think what demonetization did was forced people to have to move digital. And that's where Paytm uh, kind of got its upswing, right? Um, like we were discussing earlier and Nilesh, you were mentioning the fact that Paytm today is not as popular as it was when demonetization happened. Now, it could be multiple reasons like we were discussing whether it was the it is the fact that it charges a certain premium or the fact that you can't transfer money out of Paytm back into your bank and things like that. Uh, but I think the tipping point really was the fact that we had to change the mindset of the people to say you need to go uh, digital right and all of us were not really going digital in that sense uh, forget just the small traders I think a lot of people themselves are uh, you know even the educated were not going digital uh, if if you were in your comfort zone why go out of it so that's one um, Samiran in the case of things like GPay versus WhatsApp um, I think a lot of it has to do with 
consumer experience and also what brands stand for um jpay mm. uh, works because of at multiple levels right because you're used to a google it is there it's fairly trusted uh, to my mind google did one thing in india which nobody else could do which is called democratization of knowledge correct we're such a casteist society brahmanical uh, ways of looking at things right so the brahmins had the power over the no- over knowledge and that in the new world got translated to the rich having access to education so, so and here uh, i i cannot resist but <laughs> give you a little thing i heard yesterday so you know this caste system it is so funny so the friend of mine he was in goa okay and he came across this group of people who are called brahmin catholics okay Okay. and what so what the history is apparently <laughs> that even 4 500 backs when they converted so they were the brahmins who got converted so they are trying to maintain a caste system there that we are brahmin catholics versus the dalit catholics so the brahmin catholics only marry among themselves so we have, t- wow, we have that- taken our caste system over to the other religion which we have converted to to escape the caste system <laughs> I mean, Brahmin Catholic sounds so potent. You know, now now you have now you have you know Hindu this uh, thing population was ruled by Brahmins and Catholics. Obviously, Pope and Church was uh, Almighty, and now you have Brahmin Catholics like up there. Wow! I I didn't know that. No, no, I just heard it yesterday. I was like shocked. I said, "My God!" I was like, "Sorry, sorry." <laughs> no, no, that, but that's exactly the point I'm making, right? right. So, so we. when you have that kind of mindset uh google actually came and democratized it right anybody could study whatever they wanted uh and therefore there is a certain love for google uh which overshadows everything else right uh you have the naysayers who say they hold all of our information and they have so much data all of that but at some level you you love google for the fact that they give you services which are important and they give it to you free and you say okay for that if i have to give some data in exchange it doesn't really matter uh and that's actually when i do research that comes in time after time right so google is loved everybody knows they make taking data but everybody says hey i'm happy because i'm getting the service free contra whatsapp when whatsapp started as whatsapp all of us loved it right end to end encryption it was great it was community all of that had whatsapp remained whatsapp and not been bought over by facebook my belief is that whatsapp pay might have done be- better than it is doing today the entire fear and unfortunately or fortunately for uh, facebook you know the fact is that they've been in the in the news for all the wrong reasons and while people trust whatsapp much you know they do trust it because of everything that it has done in the past um the fact that it has a facebook uh, you know ownership puts a lot of doubt in the minds of people that's one the second thing is in our heads right finance always and i think this is more indian than anywhere else in the world finance for us is a very serious topic right um you were brought up with uh, finance being serious you have to take care of your money etc when when you're brought up in a system like that when then to hand over that in a space which you think is fun right which is about communication it's about connecting with people it's about all of that then it starts to build barriers 
So it's a combination of things why GPA works and why WhatsApp doesn't work. Payment doesn't work, right? WhatsApp works in everything else. WhatsApp for business seems to be picking up, but I don't know if it's translating into WhatsApp payments. Um, so it's quite a fascinating thing of GPA versus uh, WhatsApp. But think about it. Uh, one of the things that really is amazing is UPI, right? There is such immense adoption of UPI. And across mm. the spectrum, right, Nilesh? Um, I don't think there's anybody who's not doing UPI. And that's what it is all about. And typically, because it's government, whatever, we, we do believe that our government will kind of manage us better. So it is really perceptions, you know, I think, about brands. So here is an idea, you know, because I agree with you, Chief, right? So I think both on the branding part, you know, linked with Facebook, and you would have read the news a couple of days back, that, you know, Facebook might be rebranding itself. So, you know, that part is, that point is taken. The second part, what you mentioned is very interesting because I personally also believe in it, right? We like to compartmentalize our lives and, you know, WhatsApp is more friend community stuff and payments is serious for me, you know, right from childhood. I mean, that is why probably we loved cash because it was so compartment. It was in my pocket, you know, and from my pocket to merchant's pocket kind of stuff and not on cloud somewhere. But that suddenly, you know, idea that comes is that maybe India is a market where one has to look at, do you really want frictionless payments completely? You know, I'll take an example. I at times, while I come from payments, but I find it a bit strange when I do that tap, right? And no OTP, nothing comes to me and my money is deducted. So India may be a place and may not be true in another generation, but India is a place where we are very serious about this transactional aspect. And to be honest, I feel more comfortable when I get OTP or I have to do a, there is a bit more friction before yeah, money yeah, leaves yeah. I, my I pocket asked, and goes in. I want to be asked again and again, are you sure? Are you ready to pay? Do you really want to pay? You know, rather than, you know, without asking, just pay it. So, so, so that's the idea, you know, for, the, you know, probably India is not, uh, as I said, maybe this generation, but we are not totally ready for frictionless payments and and maybe that is one of the reasons where whatsapp for us is a bit more uh, frivolous while uh, google pay is a different app firstly and and google helps with search which we find is a complex com- complicated thing you know and and we we believe it's more serious and less frivolous mm. maybe <laughs> I mean, yeah, because these numbers actually so just to kind of for probably for the benefit of people who will listen to the podcast that, you know, the numbers actually are really startling, which probably talks about this philosophy. So, uh, you know, phone pay, I think, is about 47% of the UPI transaction volume. Google pay is 35%. And uh, WhatsApp is at 0.01%, you know, which is, which is so stark, right? So if you, if we take that nationalist versus multinational view also, it doesn't work in that lens also because normally you say, oh, it's an Indian company is doing better in India. But Google Pay is doing well. But for some reason, I think, Sheetar, to your point that for some reason, the WhatsApp's legacy of Facebook kind of gives it that, I don't know, stigma or whatever it is that people are less trusting of it with payments, but they are happy to uh, discuss anything and everything about their drives, including, you know, uh, whether who is... Uh, seeking out drug peddlers and who isn't and whatnot, but we will not pay using WhatsApp for whatever reason. <laughs> so, uh, so that is a very strange. So, okay, so uh, so this uh, the other thing that you know really always makes me uh, wonder is that somehow these all these payments and fintechs 
uh, the whole ecosystem has evolved around uh, or towards the whole uh, direct consumer, the B2C space, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have always been taught in school and college that obviously the enterprise is the larger chunk, you know, the small business or the individual are always more difficult to reach because it's a one to many relationship but enterprises will be you know is where the revenue is but somehow in this fintech space uh, the uh, for whatever reason whether enterprises have not matured enough to take on fintechs or the fintechs have not reached out enough to uh, the uh, enterprises or whatever maybe there is some legacy or you know they don't want to leave their banks somehow the, we've never seen the B2B side getting that, uh, taking the advantage of this fintech uh, revolution. You know, we've always seen my payments becoming easier. I'm, I'm buying insurance, I'm buying equity. But you don't see the same level of uh, innovation in supply chain financing or anything else on the B2B side. You know, uh, I, I would like to give one, uh, you know, a quick thought on it. You know, it's personal, my thought here. Uh, the when you look at the history of uh, how you know uh, companies got valued, it started from Hotmail, right? And right, you right. know, people owe oh, hundred million people and all. Yes. The number matter, correct, correct, right? Correct. And somehow that legacy probably has continued. That is why B two C suddenly becomes you know uh, at the forefront. But if you really ask me, something, I completely you know an, another idea probably for people to follow is. B2B payments is far more valuable mm-hmm. than B2C payments. And and while while my stint with MasterCard, uh, uh, Master and Visa, they do realize it because they are not into valuations. They are they are running a very extremely profitable business, right? Mm-hmm. And and they do focus on B2B payments. I mean, there are acquisitions specifically directed towards those uh, done by MasterCard in the last few years and Visa because these are valuable. I mean, I'll take an example from even retail world, right? We all talk of Flipkart and various other startups and unicorns, right? One such uh, startup is uh, even in retail, the B2B uh, uh, payment, uh, B2B space is very, very interesting. And Udan is one such startup. And it was started by ex-Flipkart guys, and it's an extremely valuable startup. Uh, And they only do, it's a B2B trading and retail platform. So, so, so you're absolutely right. I think, I think in this whole, uh, you know, uh, race towards, I have so many, uh, I have acquired so many uh, numbers or so many consumers, the valuation shoots up. And uh, why would I do that with an enterprise, right? I might capture like two or three, True. I might be profitable. Uh, but really, I mean, it's not sexy, I think. Uh, I think moment. the metric is driving it. I think it's if it's number of users, number of eyeballs, it is always going to be retail. If it is probably volume of transactions and profitability per transaction, then the focus might shift to B2B. But um, you're right. As of now, it is like, you know, I have 10 million or 50 million or 100 million consumers. I mean, you know, you, you may get 50, 100 companies to sign up with you. Uh, Samir and I was just going to say we can blame the venture capitalists for it and that's exactly what uh, Nilesh was talking about because I think somewhere uh, people in this whole unicorn piece I think the fundamentals are just getting lost but that's a personal point of view so I I would blame the venture caps a lot for this whole B2C drive hey it makes me happy as a consumer but that's where it is I also think that 
you know people are just everything which seems uh, like nilesh said it has to sound sexy and it has to seem sexy and it has to seem large enough and it has to be able to say that oh this is the potential right and that it never is sexy when it you you look at b2b because it's more about the fundamentals and that's what makes the difference though there, there is there is there is no fomo in one business you know being able to pay pay to another Correct. business so you are absolutely <laughs> right no, nothing, no fomo so in fact that's the, that's the other idea maybe we should call our podcast three fintechies banter maybe we'll get we'll get more money that way than <laughs> I I can see that today you're in this entire money making mode. You you named three companies in the hope. Somebody will get sponsored. No 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 no. So, so okay. So in fact, that's the other thing. So I think the coming from now that we have gone over to the other side and said that you know venture capitalists are bad because the incentives are not aligned. I think the other people who are obviously kind of getting a bad name obviously is. the big tech side guys right so because obviously they are starting to see the value of payments and everyone's trying to move at least into banking and payments so the question really is that whether uh, you know now tech will drive or become the big daddy in finance or finance will have a say and the kind of the corollary to that really is that till today the the fintechs have had a free run because they uh, operate largely in the unregulated space and this is they don't get formally regulated by i mean of course if you're a equity trader maybe you know you are but you know they have you had the flexibility to do whatever you wanted so uh, in terms of uh, uh, the continued risk of you know uh, working with fintechs or the long term viabilities of fintechs you know is it risky is it not i wonder you know where where we are going i mean is it like like everything else you know i think health is an area where you know big tech is coming in a big way fitbit's been acquired by google and the rest of it you know everybody and apple obviously is a very large player in that space so you know you you touched upon a very interesting piece right the the fintechs operating in a i'll not say unregulated but in a undefined state <laughs> and and i i would just like to pick a classic example here and i found it uh, to be honest quite brilliant and that was square right so square what was stopping you know technology wise there was nothing stopping i'll tell you what was stopping someone to accept credit cards on a phone right so 3.5 mm jack was already there you know you just had to read the max stripe you know the magnetic strip and and just take the it's it's nothing it, there was really not a great innovation but i find their innovation to be in that undefined space so i'm sure you're aware that merchant acquisition takes time i mean Correct. if you look at the amount of forms you have to fill it's like a humongous right and it'll take probably months to actually merchant to sign up and be able to acquire to be able to accept credit cards and square in square you can sign up and start accepting credit cards in like online <laughs> to be honest and you'll start and the only time you are waiting is for the dongle to come to your house and then you just plug it in and start accepting so what they did was very br- actually brilliant you know so they signed up with chase manhattan bank as the merchant on record right so banks are only going to sign up merchants right and square became merchant on record 
and then uh, for Manhattan Bank, it was a win-win. So Chase Manhattan said, okay, you bear the risk. And they actually were a merchant aggregator. And they were signing left, right, center, all these you know people who could now accept credit cards. They had their own way. Now you have come into that undefined area, right? They had their own way of figuring out the risk. Mm. And they were bold enough to say, I'm putting my money on the table, saying that I bear that risk. And it was actually based on social engineering right they you know if you if you go to square i mean it never came to india but i if i had to become a merchant in us on square start accepting credit cards the online process was essentially looking at my social profile and assessing the risk so that part is very important that undefined part and it to me it is a bit scary so when fintech becomes tech fin or tech led by by these giants they will find brilliant in one way but to be honest a bit scary Mm. in other sense because the regulators will just have such a hard time figuring out what exactly went wrong right when it goes wrong when when shit hits the roof i mean it's going to be almost impossible to be honest for regulators to when it was finance companies it was still a bit defined when it goes to tech Uh, they'll not be able to figure out. And that really is going to be a challenge of the future, right? Because when you are fintech, you have huge regulations already put into play. When you switch over in terms of will the valuation change if you're a fintech versus a tech fin. The other side is in when it becomes tech fin, where regulators are not familiar with technology. The challenge we're going to land up with is that the tech companies are going to get away with a lot of things before regulations come into play. And that could be highly detrimental. So you're going to land up with large giants playing with small consumers, their money and you could land up with a lot of challenges sitting over there. I think the regulators are just saying, put everything into place so that I protect the small consumer. The shift that is not coming is that regulators are not bringing in tech knowledge to be able to say, hey, let me keep up to date with what's happening in the world of technology and therefore regulations which don't allow tech giants to play dirty. Apple, for example, I, I have to pay for my Apple products, right? I can't because... Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so this thing, <laughs> I have to tell you that this it's recurring a, a payment nightmare. is probably a yeah. different podcast altogether. Correct. But I think it's like a a good thought badly implemented. It's very I don't badly know, implemented. I don't know which consumer is being protected by stopping recurring Correct. payments because it is causing havoc, actually. I think every transaction out there is failing. Unless just, it is on some approved list. But you know, Samiran, so I'm de- deviating from the topic, but I have to pay for Apple products, right? And I'm not being able to do it. So Zoom has figured a way. It sends you a link and it says click on the link and you can still pay because you get the OTP. Apple hasn't. So Microsoft, what they've done is very clever. What they did is that they figured out this is a problem, at least in India. So they sent me an email saying that we have we know you're having a problem and we are figuring it out. So for now, we are renewing your subscription by nine months or one year and in which time we will figure out the payment. So they have taken away that problem from the consumer at least. They said that, I mean, they have not yet figured it out, obviously, but at least they will, they hope to figure it out till we, you know. Uh, but yeah, so this is a this is a kind of a topic or another this thing. Only. So no, so this is actually going to lead into our next uh, next episode topic, right? Which is on customer experiences. <laughs> so no, and the, I think the issue also is that the 
what to do to fix it or what are the steps they need to do that you know on what list do you need to figure what are the transaction limits above below 5000 is there is a rule above 5000 there's another rule and all of that so it's, it's kind of a really messy uh, situation so if if regulators don't start building technology and understanding what the challenges that tech companies can bring to the table we're going to sit with a problem anilesh exactly like you said which is it's going to go unregulated for a long time till something big happens and then everybody's going to scramble to say how do we fix this problem and and that is going to be our challenge so i think we'll step away from this doom and gloom and <laughs> now so i think uh, so but i think uh, just kind of to uh, talk about this so obviously the fintechs are solving a certain problem which is why people are gravitating towards it and and i think uh, i think it is more than the technology you know I, i i refuse to believe that they are just providing the same technology repackaged you know like now the masala dosa is crisper or you know has got spring rolls in it and whatever that i think there is an element of ease of doing business or transacting or the whole flow of the transaction which they seem to understand what consumers how they like to do their transaction you know and i think that that is also an important part of what they are addressing other than the simplification of tech so maybe you know maybe both of you can quickly you know if you want to give a few examples on of nice experiences that you have so that we uh, you know we started by talking about how great fintechs are then we started beating them up and we'll kind of say oh but they're not so bad after all <laughs> like my experience with zero da was great but the reality is that the more fintech happens or the more tech fin happens there needs to be more assurance on my my data right and true, that true, i true, don't true. think a lot of tech fin companies ever give you an assurance on mm-hmm. i think uh, you know just to kind of uh, conclude on that uh, i i agree with you shital i mean uh, the the but but what we are not looking at is that even the data in the banks and, and the whole security around it is done by a tech you know platform so ideally you're right it should come naturally to a tech led you know a uh, solution and it should be you know that assurance has to happen i i agree uh, one you know since uh, samiran mentioned about you know uh, this whole customer journey piece and you know which are good uh, examples i think we all know you know i i agree with samiran on this i think uh, that is one problem most of the tech companies or, or the you know fintechs have solved which is uh, customer experience you know ease of doing stuff Uh, but i would take a uh, like you took a example of a new bank where you just gave up i'll take a very strange example whereby probably the technology is doing too much so this is since being from cryptocurrency and i'll not name it but this is you know if you had uh, top 5 uh, you know uh, crypto exchanges in india this is the sixth one which is coming up and signing a lot of users in india and i tried to sign up just to understand the experience i am almost on all the crypto exchanges in india just to figure out how they do business and you know i just couldn't do my kyc due to the fact that i am actually a boomer my pan card happens to be black and white and this beautiful piece of technology is saying uh, i am unable to uh, you know uh, recognize your pan card so so a kyc experience which should have, which is actually they have done it completely online became mind boggling i could not open my account 
and i i don't even know how can i convert my pan card from black and white to colored i don't know about you guys i i i, did, I, I don't even know how to do that and uh, this is this is the this is an example of where you know making it automated uh, has has just kind of uh, is not inclusive enough let me put it that way i have been excluded no no and i think I agree. so in fact yeah. uh, just uh, recently uh, i was trying to sign up for some insurance thing and they also had this lovely thing where they do uh, electronic kyc and for the life of me you know it, i whenever i came to the step where it was my face it said cannot recognize face cannot so you know i i thought there was obviously the fault must be mine so you know that you know that i i'm in bad light or i'm making funny expressions or whatever else so you know i was trying to i tried everything and it failed so then i said i gave up you know? so then later i discovered that apparently it doesn't work on the iphone and only works on the android and on the iphone the hack is instead of a, a portrait you have to make it landscape and then it recognizes i said you know like you know the, who's going to tell you all this you know this is like just completely nuts but anyway i think the important issue therefore is that uh, see obviously uh, fintechs are here to stay they are going to kind of be a very important and if not a mainstay but a big supplementary part of the financial ecosystem uh, definitely i think we need to be on the lookout for appropriate uh, regulation and de-risking because uh, as they proliferate across the financial landscape we are going to have uh, you know they're going to become a bigger and bigger part of our lives which increases the risk so i think hopefully the authorities and all are taking cognizance of it and we'll see that uh, but i think towards the end we've touched on a very important point it is just not the technology it's also what you do with it uh, what you how you understand the other person is going to use the technology uh, you know and the technology should not be built for 15 year olds who are born in the mobile you know it's like for us oldies also you know we are having trouble signing up there is a problem you know i mean it needs to be fixed so i think customer experience and uh, the whole journey is also an important part and i think that's something we will touch upon our uh, on our next uh, episode and uh, i think for now i think we've said enough and uh, we should stop now <laughs> <laughs> i think i think uh, sheetal does ending most of the time so probably you can give us that <laughs> No, I thought we had. Small I thought we had piece. recorded that whole piece. I thought that will come. I was trying to kind of figure out where it will lead into that. <laughs> oh, I thought I'll read that out, but then I said that sounds silly. So actually, maybe a better way to do it is to say that it's not really about fintech or tech fin. It's really about who wins the heart of the customers. It's really about the experience that you bring up uh, for the customers because you could have the best technology stack. but that's useless if you don't really do it right for the consumer and you don't do it right by the consumer and this brings us to the end of another episode of 3 techies banter 3 tp if you liked our banter please share this episode don't forget to follow the show we're available on every major podcast platform if you're on apple podcast please do leave us a review and a rating it helps our podcast grow until the next time yeah.